Welcome everyone to today's webinar on corporate chaplaincy or workplace chaplaincy. My name is Michael Skaggs. I'm director of programs for the Chaplaincy Innovation Lab. And I just wanna say a couple of words on behalf of the lab before we start, and then we will turn to Jeffrey. So first, like most of our events, this session is being recorded and live streamed. So if you need to leave early, or if you get interrupted, you miss a point, whatever, no problem. You will get a recording to this webinar in the next couple of days. You can watch it whenever you like. Uh, so don't worry, if you miss something, you can always go back and watch again. When you get that in your email, there's a link in that email to a little survey about your experience here. I know we're all overwhelmed by surveys, but really it takes maybe a minute and it helps us plan future events. A lot of lab events, they come directly out of folks saying, we wanna see X, Y, or Z. So if you tell us what uh, is helpful to you, that's what we will plan. And then finally, I wanna thank today's sponsor, the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation. I'll put their website into the uh, chat box and you can also see a link to them in the follow-up email. We're really uh, grateful for their support today. With that, let me introduce our guest. Jeffrey Murphy serves the Tyson Foods Complex in Carthage, Mississippi. Of course, there are many other Tyson plants uh, where he supports 1,500 team members who come to work with diverse spiritualities and life circumstances as I'm sure a lot of the chaplains joining us today do uh, in their regular work. Jeffrey, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I'll hand it to you. Thank you. It's great to be here to share a part of my journey and to uh, educate us on uh, corporate chaplaincy, industrial chaplaincy, workplace chaplaincy. I'll go over those terms in just a moment. To give you uh, something of my background, I was in healthcare chaplaincy for 30 years before making this journey over to um, the business world. Uh, and what I'm going to share today is mainly my personal reflections of what that journey is. But I think that this is an area of chaplaincy we all need to learn about, regardless of what your setting is, whether it's healthcare, uh, corrections, military. This is a growing area of chaplaincy, and there's a lot we need to learn about it. Um, and in a sense, we are all workplace chaplains, and I'll say, more about that in a moment. I want to begin just by talking about some terms. Uh, in the strictest sense, I'm an industrial chaplain because I'm here in a plant. I'm not at the corporate office. Um, so you could, usually I would be classified as an industrial chaplain. But corporate chaplain, I think that does apply in the sense that I am part of a corporation. We have about 100 Tyson chaplains across the country. Uh, and we're actually fairly close knit. Uh, something that concerned me when I came to Tyson is I'm the only chaplain in the plant. And I've never been a one person department before. And I don't feel like I'm a one person department because um, we function almost as one gigantic department of chaplains. We are conferring uh, with each other as Tyson chaplains across the country. And I am a workplace chaplain and that I'm specifically assigned to come in and take care of our team members. On the other hand, regardless of where you're working, you're taking care of people who are employed um, by the same employer, whether it's hospital staff, uh, military personnel, uh, the people who are employed by your correctional facility. Uh, so we are in a sense, all workplace chaplains. One other uh, term to familiarize you with, the term we use for our employees at Tyson is team member. So you'll hear, hear me talk, use that term a great deal. Um, just you can translate it to whatever term is uh, appropriate to your setting. Going back to why I think this is such an important area of chaplaincy, uh, and a growing area of chaplaincy. Uh, in fact, 
there's some data and many feel like this is going to be the next big growth area of chaplaincy is workplace chaplaincy, corporate chaplaincy, industrial chaplaincy. Uh, something seems to be going on in this area. One thing is the success of the uh, Tyson model. Uh, Tyson chaplaincy has been around for, I believe it's 22 years. You can simply Google search and find a lot of information about uh, Tyson chaplaincy, how it began, how it functions, uh, its success stories. And other corporations are looking at that. I think Intel is one of the ones that's looking at maybe copying this model. I shouldn't say copy, um, looking at it as a model for them. And I'm sure other corporations will follow. Uh, we are so thrilled to have Religious Freedom and Business Foundation as a sponsor today. Uh, you could look at their website. They provide a treasure trove of information showing, uh, yes, we respect religion, spirituality, uh, religious and spiritual diversity in the workplace because it's the right thing to do, but it's also good for business. And this is something, again, I think all chaplains need to be aware of. I know when I was in healthcare, we were always looking at uh, how we show that this is functional, that's supporting the organization. Uh, you also see the website there for uh, Princeton University Faith and Work Initiative. If you're not familiar, this is another site, site to look at. Uh, they really... Uh, research this phenomenon of how uh, religion, spirituality in the workplace has moved from something that's part of your private life, it doesn't come to work with you, to really looking at, yes, we do practice faith at work and we respect multiple uh, diverse spirituality and, and religious backgrounds. And then you can look at organizations like Marketplace Chaplains, Corporate Chaplains of America that uh, hire chaplains and um, put them in different workplaces. They seem to be growing. Again, something's really going on in this whole area of faith at work and chaplaincy in the workplace. Uh, that really impacts all of us. Uh, regardless of our workplace as chaplains or uh, CPE educators, uh, something we really need to consider. And I should add for educators, certainly being aware that people are going to go into this field uh, from CPE into workplace chaplaincy and probably more frequently in the future. Also consider what neighborhood means now. It's not, uh, I know my neighbors, but let's face it, I'm spending more time in the workplace than I am visiting with my geographic neighbors. Uh, um, so in a sense, the workplace has become our neighborhood. My wife uses the term um, work family. Think about how long we spend in our work and with our work associates. Uh, so this is kind of our new neighborhood and you see my small tribute to uh, Fred Rogers here. Also consider the background of chaplaincy, at least modern chaplaincy, uh, the uh, history and grounding of the CPE movement in the medical model. I think that's becoming less true as CPE grows and expands into other areas. But when we look back at uh, Anton Boyson, his work at Worcester State Hospital, Elgin State Hospital, uh, this is certainly coming out of the uh, um, medical model, the uh, mental health model. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great model. That's where I got my CPE. Uh, but we need to expand that model more. Again, realizing chaplaincy is going into more diverse places and that's going to become even more true in the future. Uh, learning to um, 
expand beyond just the medical model and medical approach of doing things. Also, I think the line has really blurred between healthcare chaplaincy and workplace chaplaincy. Even before COVID, that was true. Uh, look at the literature. Uh, a lot of articles out there, even before COVID, on staff support, how important staff support is in healthcare chaplaincy. Healthcare chaplains and um, healthcare chaplains really becoming uh, workplace chaplaincy, supporting the staff. On the other hand, in the workplace, I spend a lot of time caring for um, sick team members, our injured team members, and their families, because we provide family care as well. If they have um, a family member in the hospital, I check on them too. Um, and we do a lot of bereavement care. That was true even before COVID. And as we know, COVID has changed our world uh, even more so. There's been discussion in healthcare chaplaincy about supporting staff and burned out staff and staff traumatized through COVID-19. In my workplace, when we had our first team member who was uh, COVID positive, the plant manager called me into his office to say, how are we going to support our people with COVID-19? I'd had a discussion with the nurses, what the communication would be, what that support would look like. And he said, this is now your number one priority. So I'm a workplace chaplain who's just been told my number one uh, priority is healthcare. So again, the lines between healthcare chaplaincy, workplace chaplaincy really have started to blur. I can tell you kind of, um, I had kind of an identity crisis when I moved from healthcare chaplaincy to the workplace. What am I? Of course, I'm a chaplain, but I'm here in rural Mississippi. And when I arrived, I kept getting asked, are you our new preacher? That has to do with a particular culture of this part of the world. Uh, most of our um, team members are from a church background, usually Baptist or Pentecostal, and their context for the person of God is the preacher. That doesn't really describe who I am and how I see myself, but I'm aware that's how many people see me. And I've got to use whatever that means what's true about that for me, the power of that, and make those distinctions of how I might be different from what, from the preachers they know. Uh, am I a social worker? One of the big changes, and I really hear this when um, Tyson chaplains talk about the social work aspect of our job. Um, when I was in the hospital, if somebody needed referral to uh, drug alcohol rehab or they needed financial resources, that was something the social worker did. Uh, I might um, inform the social worker, but the social worker handled it from there. Tyson's different, workplace chaplaincy's different. We don't have a social worker. I'm the one making those referrals to mental health resources, to drug alcohol rehab, um, seeing what financial resources are out there. If we have a homeless team member trying to find resources, there is a social work aspect of this. Again, educators, you might want to note that. Uh, maybe be aware that uh, past CPE, some of these chaplains might be going into workplace chaplaincy where they might need to know some social work skills, maybe having them um, shadow a social worker to learn that. Associated with that, uh, when I started here, I also got called, asked if I was the new money guy, meaning 
Am I the one who could help with financial resources when that's available? And again, that was a learning curve for me to learn how to find those resources out there. I was also asked if I was the new counseling guy. Um, so am I a psychologist? Now I will say Tyson emphasizes that we do short-term counseling. Uh, we are not counselors per se, except for short-term matters. If it goes beyond that, we do make referrals to counselors in the community. But again, some people see you, uh, some people see me as the counselor. Certainly bereavement specialist. I attend a lot of funerals. If a team member loses a family member, I'm providing bereavement care, uh, whether it's going to the funeral, uh, giving them calls. And this can go over a long period of time. Uh, I have a team member uh, who had a stillbirth years ago and still from time to time, comes in and talks to me about that. Uh, a lot of anniversary grief uh, around the death, around holidays. Again, that's part of my job. Crisis manager, all chaplains know about this. When there's a crisis, they're going to call the chaplain. Uh, we had a team member uh, die very unexpectedly, very tragically, and the news reached our plant right at shift change, right when this team member's shift was coming on. So obviously I stayed late that day and met with her team. Even a year later, I got called um, by her department saying that was the anniversary of the death and they wanted to do a memorial during the shift. So obviously providing crisis management, even long-term. And of course, I'm the resident theologian and and spiritual director. Um, people are coming to me all the time with questions about religion or something going on in their spiritual life. Um, sociologist, am I a sociologist? Sometimes in the workplace setting, yes, they want you to be a good clinician, but they want you to understand the sociology of the plant, of the community, uh, know what's the social psychology is. And uh, that question, am I an HR specialist? How chaplains are organized is we are under the Department of Human Resources. So I've had to learn that world and the resources in that world. And I thought this was interesting, something I heard just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a uh, team member was talking, a uh, longtime team member was talking to one of our new hires. I overheard the conversation and she said, pointed to me and said, now that's the nice man. Uh, I thought that was interesting. And I think what that means is I'm the one that the team members know I'm gonna be on their side. I'm the one they can come to. I am not the disciplinarian. I'm the one who can back them up regardless of what's going on. So again, multiple hats. Uh, I think all chaplains wear, but particularly in the workplace setting, some hats that I hadn't worn before or wasn't used to wearing. Obviously chaplains deal with multiculturalism. According to some studies, I'm in the least religiously diverse state of the union. And yet at my plant here in middle of the country in Mississippi, uh, I also have um, uh, Muslim team members, team members who practice African tribal religion, Wiccan team members. And of course we work with everybody and make sure everyone's religious spiritual needs are met. But understanding culture, as I said before, particularly managers want to know that you understand the corporate culture, you understand the culture of your particular plant, your particular facility, you understand the culture of your community and can work with that. So that sociological um, aspect of chaplaincy certainly is in play. And how do you stay a chaplain um, within that?
something else I don't think is completely understand un understood. If you haven't worked in workplace chaplaincy, yes, the people coming into my plant are of employment age. Uh, so that seems like I'm not really doing family care, don't work with children, don't work with uh, our elders, but that's not quite true because our team members are have families. I deal a lot uh, with team members asking me, uh, struggling with the stress of dealing with an aging family member. How do they take care of family member, of parents who are becoming, um, beginning to have age-related illnesses, a parent who's showing signs of dementia, um, and they have children. I remember uh, working one night, a team member came on and um, came in my office and was telling me about her son. And as I listened to this, uh, I became very concerned. This didn't seem like just teenage angst but um, that something darker was going on to the point where I said, I think some things need to be addressed tonight. And we went to talk to her supervisor and her supervisor gave her a three day leave um, starting immediately so she could go deal with these issues with her son. Again, it is multi-generational care. Also, what I found in the workplace, as opposed to healthcare, uh, the relationships are longer term. They're multidimensional. They're subject to change. A uh, couple of examples. I have a group. I call them my lunch buddies. When I work uh, the second shift, uh, there's a group of us. We're all country boys, country girls. Uh, about the same age, so there's a similar culture, similar background, uh, similar memories. Uh, we tend to sit together at lunch. Well, that's, that's great, but when one of my lunch buddies got COVID, I remember calling her and realizing the relationship has changed. When I called her and uh, heard her laughing over the phone because of the awkwardness that now we're talking as chaplain and team member, uh, and uh, rather than just lunch buddies. And through her laughter, I was aware she wasn't uh, she wasn't severely ill. And I laughed and said, you know, some people will do anything to get out of work. But again, the relationship had changed for the moment. Um, also, uh, what happens when a team member retires or resigns or is fired? The relationship changes. How do I supply support and how long can I supply to support to a team member who's just been terminated? Uh, I have a group of team members that I call my chaplains. They sort of appointed themselves to uh, take care of me and they happen to be very good at it. So I realized that part of my care of them is letting them take care of me. And one of my chaplains came in one day and she said, chaplain, you know, I've been here a long time. And I said, yes, I know that. She said, I'm tired. I think it's time for me to go to the house to retire. So we talked about that and things to consider and her feelings about that. And I finally said, you know, there's a part of me that wants to uh, just drop to the floor and beg you to stay. And she smiled and said, and also teared up while smiling and she said, now chaplain, don't you stop, start that. And we got to talking about how our relationship would change, but also how this is her family. And she was in a sense losing her family if she was to retire and looked at that aspect of what she needed to consider. Advocate. What does it mean to be an advocate in the workplace? Uh, certainly advocating when I am looking for resources for team members um, in the community. Make, in fact, I was doing that just before this webinar, trying to find some resources and um, 
calling different agencies and making the case of this is somebody who really needs help and needs help quickly. Uh, also advocating with management. Um, how do you navigate those waters? I had a team member referred to me by one of our um, assistant plant managers uh, because he had some behaviors that were disruptive to the team. And I worked with them, I got on some counseling in the community and things got better, but there were still problems. And the same assistant associate plant manager called me into our office to ask me about them. And I said, well, things are getting better. And she said, yes, they are, but I'm still having problems. Uh, Chaplain, what do I do? And I said, well, you know, my job is to advocate for the team member. And she very graciously said, Chaplain, I understand that. And I said, even with these problems, we're now his family, we're now his support, and it would be devastating for him to lose his job. On the other hand, I know that your job is you've got to make sure that product's getting out and there is team cohesion. Um, so again, we had to understand each other's different roles. And um, again, the management appreciated that. I had a role to advocate for the team member. Worship in the workplace. Uh, we don't have a chapel service. Um, however, there sometimes you do become the worship leader to some extent. Uh, we do memorial services here when a team member has died. Um, and I have to take leadership of that and understand how to deal uh, with that memorial service, respecting the person who's passed and respecting the diversity of, uh, of the team that's attending the memorial service. Also, uh, when our first team member was um, tested positive for COVID uh, and the uh, top management thought they needed to inform, um, inform the team. And I thought I should be there because it was a very anxious time as you can imagine. And I remember a team member raised her hand and said, uh, asked, could the chaplain lead the group in prayer? And I said, I'd be glad to do that. We need to respect um, everybody's faith here. Is this offensive to anyone? Is there anyone who um, feels they can't um, be a part of that? Everyone agreed. Uh, even if they didn't participate in the prayer, they participated in um, being respectful. And again, I offered a prayer as chaplains do, respecting the diversity I was aware was in the room at the time. So even though there's not a chapel service, we're not really leading Bible studies, there's still that role of worship leader. The chaplain role as ethicist, that's certainly a part of my job. Uh, one of the first things I did when I came here was I bought a textbook on business ethics. I hadn't had a lot of training in that and thought I need to understand that. Now, there have been times when I have been consulted with a business decision and the ethics. I can't say that's very frequent for my role. My guess is that's more um, at the corporate headquarters they're getting called to do that. Again, just my guess, but um, certainly I need to understand the ethics of business uh, in this setting. Uh, I will say that I get more questions uh, from team members about a particular situation, uh, whether it's a conflict with one of their neighbors or conflict with one of the other team members. How do I manage this right? What's the right thing to do? Chaplain, I want to, I hear this a lot. Chaplain, I just want to do the right thing. Uh, so you're certainly 
are always uh, playing the role of the workplace ethicist. Uh, yes, you see the picture there. I am a distance runner. Uh, but I put this picture there uh, because of a comment I made, uh, or a comment that was made to me when I transitioned from healthcare chaplaincy to workplace chaplaincy. I had had uh, 16 years uh, serving as a chaplain doing a lot of trauma care at a level one trauma center. And someone said, oh, it must feel good to have a much slower pace now. Well, I wouldn't say it's a slower pace here. I would say a different pace. Um, I can tell you this morning was one of those mornings when I had multiple crises all happening at once and had to go through the triage. Okay, this one I have to deal with right now. This can wait till this afternoon. That one's just gonna have to be put off till tomorrow. Uh, there's certainly triage like that. We also have times of law. Um, last week, I was speaking to uh, my supervisor in the plant, the HR manager, and said, I just had a delightfully boring day. And she kind of laughed because she knew what I was saying. There weren't a lot of heavy issues from team members that day. And um, we also laughed because we knew that's not going to last. The pace is going to change. Again, you have to be attuned to that, to uh, what the pace is, what to do when you do get a bit of a lull and what to do when you have the multiple crises at the same time. Again, facilitating spiritual reflection. Um, I do think work, well, I think all chaplains, period, need to really look at what is your theology of work? Uh, what does it, what is the higher meaning and purpose in it? Uh, sense of calling, why are you there? Why are the other uh, team members, employees there? What's your real theology? behind it, your real spiritual grounding. What does this really mean in the wider sense? Uh, just today, I did my part of the orientation for our new hires. And I always talk about that, that your job is not just cutting up chickens. Your job is feeding the world and think about what that really means and how important that is. The traditions of feeding people um, in uh, all of our great religious and spiritual traditions. This area is primarily Christian, so I use the example of Jesus feeding the 5,000. What is really the meaning, and how do you, as a chaplain, help communicate meaning and purpose, wider meaning and purpose in the workplace? Uh, good question. I think that's true of all chaplains but particularly workplace chaplains and particularly now that we're all becoming workplace chaplains. A word of note um, for workplace chaplaincy, don't just sit around, don't just sit in your office. Uh, new hires at Tyson, they're really told, don't just sit around in your office. You've got to go out to where they're working. Uh, once during a shift, uh, every now and then I get backed up and can't do it, but I try to walk through the plant, including uh, the production area. And sometimes it seems like, is this really doing any good? I'm just walking around waving at people. Believe me, there's a power in, I actually went back to the work area. I didn't remove myself from that. I see what you're dealing with is remembered when I do have to uh, meet with a team member or call them at home when they're sick. Believe me, they remember. I see you every day, chaplain, when you come back and check on us. I get a lot of thank you for going back there. Um, and also becoming aware of what's going on. Um, being willing to pull aside the team member that just something doesn't seem right. 
uh, and saying, what's going on with you today? You always have a big smile on your face. You're not smiling today. Uh, I've done that before. It's been something simple. A team member told me one day, chaplain, I broke my toe last night. I'm in a lot of pain today. And of course said, well, of course you are. I'm so sorry you're having to deal with that and appreciate that you're still here. Uh, he didn't want to burn a sick day for that. Um, but I've also heard when I've pulled a team member aside in the workplace, chaplain, my husband and I are fighting all the time. I think we're gonna to have to get a divorce. And obviously we arranged for her to come to my office and talk about that father. Um, so again, you got to go to where the people are. Uh, it's not just sitting in the office waiting for them to come to you. If you don't go to them, why should they come to you? Documentation, at least uh, my experience, a lot different here in the workplace setting. I don't have as much of it, but yes, we do our monthly reports and we have to keep track of things. We have to uh, um, formulate a care plan. Uh, it's not turned in, but believe me, I'm always at least calculating that in my mind. What's my goal here? Uh, I, I keep my own notes under double password so I don't forget things. Um, as I said, we have the monthly report, so I'm keeping track of what, I'm, what sort of issues I'm confronted with and uh, helping with. I would say, I think in the workplace setting, assessment skills have to be even stronger. In the hospital, I at least had that chart. I knew somebody had been in a car wreck. I knew somebody was a new cancer diagnosis. I knew something. Here, I might not know anything other than this particular team member looks different today. Uh, a particular team member is uh, wearing a different hairstyle, is dressing different, uh, whether it's better, or whether it's uh, they're not as well kept. Either way, I've got to be assessing things and checking things out to see what's going on here. Um, believe me, I had a team member who changed her hairstyle. And when I mentioned it, there was a meaning behind that. She was very specific and why she was doing that. Um, again, assessment skills really have to be there because all you know about that particular team member is they showed up for work today. What's different? What's changing? And we certainly have an interdisciplinary team here um, working with management and team members. Uh, I have a big plant. When I first arrived here, I found out that our people who work in the live animal area uh, sometimes feel kind of neglected. And there's a reason for that. They're geographically separate from the rest of the plant, and you're not even allowed to go back there um, unless you have a particular training in animal welfare. So one of the first things I did was I got that training so I could go back to that live animal area um, and let them know I'm your chaplain too. Uh, I'm here for you. I'm gonna be checking on you too. And I learned about animal welfare, which is already uh, uh, an interest of mine. Uh, and um, just saying chaplaincy, spiritual care as a profession, it's getting broader. It's growing in areas that has been in the workplace for a long time, but it's going to be even more so uh, in that area. We're expanding into other areas. Our awareness of these other areas of, of chaplaincy, they have got to grow with us. Um, that's got to grow with us. We've got to be aware of chaplaincy in multiple, uh, in multiple sectors. 
are educators, again, aware of how chaplaincy might look different in the different settings. Uh, again, those social work skills, I, I wish I had more training in that in seminary and uh, in my CPE, because they're certainly needed here in this particular type of chaplaincy. We've got to embrace the differences of chaplaincy in those settings and the sameness of chaplaincy in those settings. I will say just a couple of weeks ago, I had a team member stop in, just he wanted to talk about some things going on and his spiritual life. But he looked at me and said, Chaplain, I think you have the coolest job in the world because all you do is just help people all day. And I said, I agree with you. This is a wonderful job. Obviously, it gets stressful. Obviously, I deal with sad issues and have to deal with my own self-care. But again, this is a wonderful place to be and that that's my whole job is to help these team members. Uh, I have a very small um, bibliography here, some websites, um, some articles that I think is particularly help, helpful. Um, but again, there's a lot on workplace chaplaincy out there for you to look over. And again, regardless of your chaplaincy setting, I think it's helpful to know these issues. There's always a business side of chaplaincy. And um, finally, um, I won't go over these. You'll get a copy of the, um, of the uh, slide presentations. I'll just end with my email. If you have questions you can't get to today. And now I'll spend the rest of our time uh, answering any questions or comments that have come in. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. That was uh, <laughs> comprehensive is the short word, but uh, so wide ranging and just a wonderful introduction into this work that you're doing. The first question I wanna ask uh, is because a few people have asked the same one, which is how did you make that transition from healthcare to where you are? And I suspect there are some folks here who are thinking about that kind of transition. So what did that look like going from this setting to something that has some similarities, but in a lot of ways is totally different? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. It's exactly the same, but totally different. That is a <laughs> wonderful way to put it. Um, I had been um, very impressed um, with what I was hearing about the Tyson model uh, for a long time. I'd been very impressed. I knew the uh, my predecessor here at the Carthage plant. I was impressed with her. Said if you happen to be uh, on this call, you've done a you did a wonderful job here and left me big shoes to fill. Uh, and uh, was looking at this area, aware that gee, after thirty years, this is kind of late in my career to make that transition. <laughs> However, this whole idea of being here just to support employees. Um, and again, I think I'll, I, I was aware at where I've worked before, not that, that maybe we weren't spending enough time just supporting the employees. Uh, I think that's true at many places. And again, there's so much written today in healthcare chaplaincy about supporting the staff. Uh, that idea was really intriguing to me and what it would be like to have a job where that's what I do is support the staff. I will say that there's also, um, I know of at least one very large healthcare system that has hired chaplains specifically to be staff chaplains. And my guess is that models, uh, that's gonna be done more often. I think another person thinking about a potential job change has a really helpful practical question. If you're looking for this kind of work, 
Are there certain words or terms that you should look out for in job postings, or is it usually very explicit? Corporate chaplain, workplace chaplain, whatever. <laughs> I think the, the broader question is how to make it easier to find these types of positions. One thing is uh, if you're speaking for Tyson, go to the Tyson website and see if there are any openings in your area. Uh, again, not just to promote Tyson, but I can tell you, we pretty much always have openings. Now, if there are openings in your area, that would be another question. Uh, going to websites like Marketplace Chaplaincy, Corporate Chaplains of America, seeing what, they're, uh, what they have to offer, contacting those places. And I would say just Googling and just keeping abreast of uh, how this area of chaplaincy is growing, um, what corporations um, might be adding chaplaincy or are looking at adding chaplaincy. Uh, and again, um, our uh, sponsor today, um, uh, um, Go to that website and look at, um, um, be acquainted with them. Uh, it's actually subscribe and you can get, have them send you uh, at least a weekly email and you'll stay on top of the news of how uh, spirituality in the workplace, how it's growing. Yeah, the, uh, and it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, they, they have not asked me to say this. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation does a lot of work in, in, in thinking and in, in thought leadership of how do businesses take their employees, whole selves, spirituality, philosophy, life experience into account in the workplace, where it's not something that employees feel like they have to leave at home. Um, so really, I want to second that recommendation. Uh, the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation does a lot of work um, does a lot of work in this area, and so they, they would really help connect with some of those um, some of those places. This is a really great question, and I think it gets to kind of the nature of the, of the work that team members are doing at Tyson. Mira says, do you experience any moral injury as a chaplain in an explicitly corporate or industrial uh, setting? I'm a healthcare chaplain, and I experience this when I see how sometimes the system itself can be a source of suffering for some uh, patients. So the, the, the specific setting that you're in, what are the challenges that you as a chaplain have to deal with for yourself? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, there is no perfect system. Um, sure, um, again, I'm not going to get into specifics. That would be inappropriate, but times when I do wonder, did we, did we do the right thing uh, by this particular team member? Was this really handled correctly? The other big problem I have is uh, resources, um, particularly here in rural Mississippi, but resources um, are just uh, really strapped now. Having cases like uh, one, a homeless team member, there is very little um, in terms of resources for emergency shelter uh, in the county where I work. I work, I actually live in Jackson, that's an hour drive away. And I've been told, well, there are shelters in Jackson. Well, if this team member could drive back and forth to Jackson, they wouldn't be homeless. Secondly, those shelters fill up quickly so they could even get there and still be homeless on the streets in Jackson. Um, mental health services we know are strapped. Um, having team members take finding having to wait three weeks in one case before she could actually be seen by a counselor. Um, so again that is uh, a thorn in my side trying to find resources where resources are really stressed right now. I think that actually what you have just said draws out some of those distinctions of workplace chaplaincy, because of course, any chaplain who's working in uh, say healthcare 
will advocate for the patient for whatever the patient might happen to need. But some of those needs as are going to be expressed are different between healthcare and the workplace, right? Uh, it's, I think maybe it's, it's, it's not quite, I feel like I'm butchering what I'm trying to say here, no pun intended, but because you see these workers day in, day out, year in, year out, you're seeing all of the struggles that a human individual and community goes through over time, which is different from something that is really kind of one-off or you know, a patient who's in a hospital for a couple of days or a couple of weeks or whatever, um, really quite unique. And, and you're being called to provide care in a really kind of capacitive way. You, I'm guessing you probably did not learn a whole lot about connecting people with mental health resources <laughs> in seminary, right? You are absolutely right. Yes, I have so much more respect for the social workers I worked <laughs> with in healthcare now that I'm working here. It's not my training. Um, uh, and again, realizing the struggle they had finding resources and the assumption of the team, oh, the social worker will work her magic or work his magic and get this. Well, sometimes that magic one just doesn't work real well, yeah. um, seeing that. And you're also right, the longer term nature of the relationships. As I said, bereavement is not just at the moment and it's mm -hmm. not just the funeral. It's, um, man, Christmas can be kind of a sad time uh, coming in. And those other times you might not think about hearing uh, chaplain, my daddy always barbecued on the 4th of July and nobody could barbecue like my daddy did and it just doesn't seem, uh, seem the same. And I might be hearing this five, 10 years after daddy died. So I'm still doing the bereavement care over that long of a period of time. Hmm. Uh, here's a question about sort of the scope of the work from Gary. Does your work include a sort of uh, higher up leadership at the plant? Are you included in regular staff or higher level meetings? Um, that's, that's maybe, we'll stop there. There's another question there, but we'll stop there. So kind of what is the scope of your work in terms of who you're serving at that plant? Um, pause, I'm not quite uh, thinking how I want to answer that. Yes, I mean, uh, uh, I go to staff meetings, I'm checking in with staff every day, and that's a dual relationship because at the same time I'm checking in with staff, I'm also chaplain to staff, mm. uh, or checking in with management, I'm also chaplain to management. Uh, they have issues too, and sometimes aren't as willing to admit as the uh, person on the production line is that they're having issues and struggles. Uh, on the other hand, I, I think you do have to be careful of, a workplace chaplain has to be careful uh, that if team members are having issues with management, they don't need to see you as a manager. Mm. Um, again, that's my own reflection. Maybe others in this field would argue with me. Um, to give you another example is, uh, I think union management relationships here, relationship at my plant is very, very good. Um, but the last time the union contract was being negotiated, yes, I had an upper manager, manager in my office who needed to talk about the process. And I had union reps in my office who needed to talk about that. Again, it wasn't conflictual, but it was stressful. Add those questions, am I doing the right thing? And again, both sides, the union and management needed to know I'm your chaplain. They needed to know those confidentialities would be respected. And I wasn't going to take a side in a conflict. I'm there for both of them. Yeah. It, it is a tightrope. Yes, that's a good question. A few questions have kind of gotten at that awkward, well, could be awkward space. I think in, in your case, it's not. But it seems that your position, at least in your plant, maybe across Tyson as a whole, 
is really unique in that, of course, you have to fit into the corporate structure somewhere. But at the end of the day, you aren't helping management sort of deal with workers, and neither are you there solely or, or to protect workers from management. You're outside of that completely. Um, it's your job to not take a side. And I think that some people might look into corporate chaplaincy and think the, the exact opposite, that the chaplain is there to sort of keep the peace or whatever. Um, and it, it, unless, unless I'm grossly misunderstanding it, it seems like you just sit outside all of that, which is a real advantage. Again, I, I won't speak for all Tyson chaplains, but I do think that's a fair description, and I do think it's what most of us deal with, but it's real clear. We're told day one, we are here for everyone in the plant, from the complex manager um, to um, the people working on the depot line. Mm. We are the chaplain for everybody here. And you've got to find a way to uh, make that work where you can be um, for, for everyone who walks in the door. Normally, I'm hesitant to ask the following question, but because I've seen it from multiple people, I'm going to ask it anyway. And someone has posed it in a, in a, in a way that I think gets around uh, some of the, the difficulty there. If you think about the sectors in general, healthcare, workplace, corporate, what does the chaplain pay look like what, compared <laughs> one to the other? We're not asking numbers. I, I <laughs> We're not <understand>. asking numbers. <laughs> but if someone is working in healthcare chaplaincy now, or if they are looking at both fields, what does the landscape look like? And I know that it's probably specific to institutions, but in general, if you can. Uh, Again, a lot does depend on level of education, experience, you know, all those things that would normally go into it. Uh, just um, treating that question with appropriate uh, uh, vagueness, um, I will say that Tyson has a, a reputation for paying well. Um, I, I was, I mean, obviously, if I was willing to move, they had to offer enough for me to make the move worth it. Uh, and I think that's generally true in the corporate area. Now, I will say something very different. I've always been salaried before. At Tyson, I'm an hourly employee. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so that does make it a little different. And there's pros and cons to that. I will say when an ice storm came through last year and the plant had to close down for a week, it meant I lost a week of wages. Now, fortunately, I had resources to cover that, so it wasn't a big deal for me. But to me, that's also connecting to the workers um, because mm. uh, the team members didn't get paid that week right. either and understanding the economic hardship i was in the same boat well i didn't get paid now again i get paid more than they do so not as big of a hit but still recognizing the strain there yeah. how do i make up for a week of lost wages and even though it's it's it, it can be difficult to talk about money I think it's actually important to have these conversations when we're talking about spiritual care because um, there are some people that are trying to enter this field and they feel like, well, I can't ask that because, you know, you're helping people. So it's, it, it seems sort of mercenary to ask about the pay um, or, or being afraid that chaplaincy work cannot pay enough to sustain someone, uh, which is not always true. In some positions that is true, but not every position. Um, so thank you for your, your forthrightness uh, in answering that. I think that kind of the general question, the general answer that we could give is, if you're trying to figure out is one livable and the other is not, there is no, you know, there is no reason that corporate chaplaincy should not be considered over healthcare chaplaincy or, or anything else. Sure. And we, again, we do have some plants where it's a part-time position. Uh, I know that's very true with like corporate chaplaincy of America, marketplace chaplains, uh, where it's more contracts. So yeah, and absolutely, that's part of your own self-care is your financial uh, care and taking care of our families. It's a very appropriate question. 
Well, we have we have reached the top of the hour here, and uh, Jeffrey has very generously shared his email address here. So please take note of that if you have questions that we didn't get to. And I know we didn't get to all of them. I'm sorry, uh, but we do have to be mindful of the time. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom and sharing. This has been enormously informative. And thank you to all of us, all of you who have joined us this afternoon. Uh, we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thank you.